me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And so I want to preach a message today simply entitled Discover Purpose. There are books on uh, purpose. There are seminars on purpose. There are classes on purpose. People go on purpose journeys and um, there are devotionals on purpose. And everybody's looking for something that already was established before they were even born. And so we're spending time looking for something that's been in front of us our entire lives. And if we actually read the word, funny thing about purpose is purpose starts with scripture. This is what? This is a chair. How do you know it's a chair? Okay, so everything with four legs is a chair? Somebody said it's a chair because you got four legs. Somebody said it's a chair because you can sit on it. Everything you can sit on is a chair? It looks like a chair. So everything that looks like a chair is a chair. So a picture of a chair is a chair? Because it'll hold you up? No. Everything that'll hold you up is a chair? Somebody told you it was a chair. So is everything somebody tells you true, true? Why is it a chair? I don't think they know no more. (laughs) It's time for you to investigate the things that you think you know are true. But see, somebody told, whether somebody told you it was a chair, whether you've experienced as a chair, there's a gamut of reasons, but somewhere along the line, you built yourself up to the knowing, to the understanding, and to have the faith that this was indeed a chair. What does the word say about you? Why the word? Well, because the word is the truth. If somebody were to walk in here and tell us that this was a blender, we would look at them like they were absolutely crazy. If they started putting fruits and vegetables in here, put a little almond milk in there, and start pushing on the bottom like it was buttons, we would be like, well, there is an institution for you. We're not saying we're not going to come visit, but we're going to take you over there right now for a little evaluation. They do a little hold, you know, a little couple of days, and then, and then you know, amen, right? But if they believe that it was truly a blender, they would act on it. For many of us, purpose has been so unstable that no matter what we actually know about our purpose, we are tossed to and fro by what other people say about our purpose, by how other people entreat our purpose, by how other people affirm our purpose. I don't need anybody else to come in here and tell me that it's a chair. All of you could tell me this is not a chair, but I know without a doubt that this is a chair. And I, it would never come into question for me. How many of you can recite in the same way that you knew that this was a chair what the word says you are? Not who you think you are, not what you've been hired to do, not what your children say you are, but what does the word say you are? Come on, say it with me. The word says I am. am. 
Fill in the blank. Keep going. Some people quiet. Some people start saying the same thing. Y'all start saying the same thing. Uh-uh, no repeats, no repeats. And then now y'all just making stuff up. Okay. I said the word. I should have said, give me a location, give me the address. Then it would have been a little, yeah, yeah. You don't have to search for purpose. You were born with purpose. All you have to do is step in and believe what's already been said about you. When we start searching for purpose, it's because at some point we allow doubt to seep in. Or we diminished our purpose. The reason why you are here is to bring glory to God. Vision party over. Vision board over. The reason you are here, write it down so you never have to wonder again, is to bring glory to God. Your purpose is to bring glory to God. That's why you're here. And if you wake up today and you bring glory to God, you're walking in purpose. And you don't need another. What does bringing glory to God? It looks like praising and worshiping God. But we haven't been happy with that. We want to praise and worship God in a certain space. We want to do it from a certain platform. We want to do it to a certain beat. We want to do it to a certain song. We want to do it in certain circumstances. But your purpose, according to Psalms 86 and 9, is to praise and worship God. And why? Because that brings glory to God. Your purpose, according to Isaiah 43 and 6, is to glorify him above yourself. Your purpose is to bring glory to God. How do you do that? Well, according to Galatians 5 and 22, it's to grow in the fruits of the spirit. I know you want to prophesy. You want a ministry. You want engagements. That's not purpose. There are people with all of those things that do not bring glory to God. There are people who will die with millions of dollars in the bank and they will not have walked in purpose because their life was not about bringing glory to God. Purpose is simple. I know we want to make it complicated, but it's just not complicated. And the reason why we know it's not complicated is because it all was settled before the foundations of the earth. And so if he already had a plan for you and he already made all these things true and all these things were already set up, then it has absolutely nothing to do with you and your desires of the flesh which is in which we become restless, right? Because it doesn't look like what we thought it would look like. It doesn't have to look like what you thought you would look like. It's not your plan. It's like me walking on an architectural site and they're building a building and I walk in and start assessing the building. And they're looking at me like, well, who are you? I had nothing to do with the plans. I had nothing to do with the materials. I had nothing to do with the vision of that building, but I walk in assessing what it is and what it's not. Wow. 
And that's what we do with our life. Instead of simply going to speak with the architecture. When it doesn't look like what you thought it would look like, you don't question what's being built. You'll just go and get some clarity from the architecture. According to Matthew 28 and 16, what is your purpose? Go ye into all the world and make disciples. It's the great commission. That's all of our purpose. How do three people know it? It was the instructions he left for you. Yeah, he wished that you all would prophesy. Yes, he said he left you gifts. Yes, he said all that stuff. But before he went to be with the father, he gave you instructions. You have to know that purpose. If you don't know that part of your purpose, then you're pursuing something outside of what he has for you. That's your number one. How many disciples have you made? How many mornings do you wake up and go in his name? When you lay down, can you look at your last 24 hours and point out where you brought him glory? Yes. According to Isaiah 21 and 4, he did give you gifts. He did. But they only matter if you use them for his glory. I don't care who you feel called to. And it doesn't matter what you feel called to do. Even if you're doing it and you're not doing it to bring him glory, it's a waste. He's proud of who you are, but I'll tell you what, he's not proud of what you've become. And the way that he can be proud of who you are is because you were made in his image. And so that's why he continues to put his stamp of approval on who you are. But as long as you walk outside of purpose, he is not proud of what you're becoming. You're becoming a waste of space. You're becoming a waste of breath. You're becoming an empty shell where the spirit cannot thrive and live. You borrowed this space in life. And you got the nerve to borrow this space in life and not use it properly? Oh, you have a purpose. If you accept it. Because, see, we wake up every day and we seek and we seek and we pursue and we pursue and we want relationships and doors and, and connections and platforms. And even for some of you are like, oh, no, I don't like being a spotlight. Yeah, everybody has something. So maybe you don't want the public platform, but you want the money. You want the accolades for being a good mom. And you pursue that. Whatever it is that you spend time pursuing outside of bringing glory to God is in the way of your purpose. Living a life that brings glory to God is all he ever asked. This is why he gave us an entire book of purpose models. Your purpose models are not out there in the headlines. Your purpose models are not Fortune 500 company leaders. Your purpose models are not writing self-help books. 
You know, the books that you read and spend money on more than the Bible. It's like having a closet full of clothes walking in there and saying you have nothing to wear. And so you shop and you shop and you shop and you shop and you shop, but your closet is full of everything that you need. You don't need another promise. You don't need another purpose. You already have purpose models, people who you can look at in the Bible. We can look at Joshua. And if we look at Joshua, then we know that our purpose begins with a scripture. Our purpose not begins with a scripture, um, not only begins with a scripture, but it continues in meditating on his word. Joshua taught us that already. We can look at Moses and we can see that purpose requires faith. He already taught us that. He already told you people were going to say you look crazy. This has been modeled for you. This has been shown to you that the plan and the things that he is telling you may be foreign to people, but keep going because on the other side of the flood is the promise. It's a purpose model that's already been established for you. Solomon already showed us that our purpose had nothing to do with things. He showed us. And he showed us that your purpose will always have to do with people. Which is why when we say things like, I don't like people. Or I don't like certain people. Because some of us don't say it blanket, right? So we say, I don't like whatever kind of people it is. Okay? I know people will say, I don't like kids. It's true. I be trying to recruit for kids. They're like, oh, I don't like kids. I don't. No, I don't, I don't even like kids. People, I don't even like, I don't even like kids. But you're called to people. So every time you declare that you don't like any facet of people, you're cursing your purpose. So you curse your purpose and then look for it somewhere else. it's there, but you're cursed it. You're working against it. When we look at the apostle Paul, he's a purpose model because what he showed us is that when you truly walk in purpose, that after your life, your legacy will live on. When we look at Jeremiah, our favorite purpose guy, Jeremiah 29 and 11, we love that one. When we look at Jeremiah as a purpose model, he shows us that God will make you uncomfortable until you step out and live in purpose. Let's back all the way up to Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1, go down to verse 7. It says, but the Lord said to me, do not say that I am too young. You must go to everyone I send to you and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them. And I love this because why would he warn us about something that was never going to come? 
He gives you a foreshadowing of every single thing you will experience so that you won't be shocked. So that when fear comes, you say, oh, he prepared me for this. This is why in Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, for I know the thoughts I have for you and they are of good and not evil. Well, why would he put that in there? Because don't you feel like sometimes God is just being evil to you? You be like, do you even love me? Like, do you see, do you like me? Like, I'm trying to do this. Like, Jesus, do you love me? Like, I'm just trying to figure it out. Because I literally am sometimes thinking like, okay, I'm trying to live for you. I don't really know what the problem is. I thought we were cool. Because at some point, purpose will come to challenge you. And so when you see it, you don't question his intentions or his heart for you. You just say, oh, this is the part where you said that I would question whether this was for my good or whether it was evil. This is that part. Okay, I know it's all good. This is that part that you warned me about. For I am with you and will rescue you. Oh, okay, this is the part where I felt like you left me. He, like, he's literally warning you. Like, you don't have to go through the motions. You don't have to go through depression. You don't have to go through questioning it. You don't have to go through all that when these things come because he's telling you it's coming. So you're like, oh, this is a part where I feel like you left me, but you really didn't leave me. Got it. It says, and we'll rescue you. Oh, this is the part where I feel like I'm trapped and I have no way out, but you're right on the other side. You're going to rescue me. Got it. I remember when you told me that you promised me you were going to rescue me. So I never even have to question if there is a rescue on the other side because you already warned me that. And my purpose is found in the word. So because my purpose is found in the word, then all fear, all lies from hell, all discouragement, all evil thoughts, everything where I feel like I have no choice. All of this is part of your plan. Why? Because this is the part of the plan that you actually decided to warn me about. You want to know the good parts of the plan, but he's telling you what's coming against your purpose. This is the part you need to know. You don't have to know the outcome. You don't have to know all the details of the good parts. All you know is that he will never leave you. Verse nine says, then the Lord reached out his hand. And he touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See today that I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. These are the things that I've called you to do, whether people like it or not. People want to complain about the churches that are empty and out, but they stand on nothing. And so I've created a space where my people will be under the hand of my kingdom and it shall be established. And you can't apologize for that. So you can't apologize for when it's time for you to overthrow just because you like the part of a building. 
You can't apologize when it's time to tear down just because you like the part of being a motivational speaker and an encourager to the people and you like being known as the happy person on the job. But at some point, there comes a time where it's time to build and to plant. When we skip all the way down to Jeremiah 1 and 17, it says, get yourself ready. See, like we let purpose like sneak up on us like we didn't know it was coming. No, it says, get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them, whatever I command you, do not be terrified by them or I will terrify you before them. I interpret that one as either way you're screwed. Either you're going to do it for me or I'm going to toss you out there. Then it says today, I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests and the people of the land. Anything that's in my way, they will fight against you, but will not overcome you. For I am with you, and he reminds us again, and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Some of you said you knew this was a chair, and you started to describe the process of it becoming a chair. I can tell you right now, if you walk into a chair factory, the majority of the chairs do not look like they're going to be chairs. You literally could walk in there and see cushions thrown over there, legs thrown over there, boxes of screws, different labels, these little end caps, these come off too. You see the little hooks, you see the little cushion, you see the fabric, everything's everywhere in disarray. But the manufacturer has no question that at the end of the day, that they will bring in millions because they will produce chairs. And so because the production is not in question, then they continue to go through the process. So I won't be bothered by legs over here. I won't be bothered by cushion that hasn't been attached yet. I won't be bothered by screws that may seem loose, but I know that I will produce. And so because of his promise, I know that I will produce, but there is a process. Do you know that if they give up on this chair, if they put the frame of this chair together, they put the frame of this chair together and there's no cushions yet. And then they walk away and say, you know what? I sat in that thing. It's too uncomfortable. I sat in it and my butt was hanging down in the middle. I sat in it and I didn't feel secure. I sat in it and I didn't like the way that it looked. I sat in it and it made me wiggle in my seat. I sat in it and it just didn't feel right on me. Then it would never become a chair. You gave up, but he only gave you a frame. It's okay that it's uncomfortable now because the cushion is coming. It's okay that it doesn't look right now because the 
well do you trust the Lord? Because see, if you don't trust him, that he actually has a purpose for you, then you'll forfeit. How well do you actually listen to him? Because if you don't listen to him, you're right. You'll never get the next piece. But you're so busy looking for the next piece in other places. You can't leave the factory and think you're going to find the other pieces. Because the frame was built in his word. So a man doesn't have the other pieces. A woman doesn't have the other pieces. Climbing the corporate ladder doesn't have the other pieces. You got to come back to the factory. How do you define success? What is success? Is success what you see somewhere else is success defined by the people in your family is success defined by affirmation because nobody nobody could tell you now that this is not a chair so is success when this chair looks like that chair you're looking at that chair that white folding chair, but he's building you like this. Right? So we put it together, and because the legs don't crisscross like that, you're ready to throw your chair away because you're looking at that chair. See, you don't like the color of the frame he built for you because you're looking at that chair. And then when he starts building it the same way because the frame of this one is similar to the frame of that one, and then he pulls out the black fabric instead of the brown fabric, then you start questioning, well, I don't really know now. Because you're looking at that chair. At some point, everybody will find some opposition on their journey to purpose. It's a journey. This same man, this same man that was given the authority, Jeremiah, if you go to Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 7, it says, you deceived me, Lord. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, he just gave you a scepter and authority. And I mean, you was trampling people. You was tearing down. I mean, you was a fortified wall. You was bronze. And wait, you deceived me, Lord. And I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Mama, they talking about me. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. He made it about himself. Because see, he didn't say what was happening as he corrected the people, how some began to listen and heed the word of the Lord. He started talking about what was happening to him as a result of what he was doing. So I go to verse 9 of this chapter and he comes up with the dumbest idea. 
just stupid. And we do it too. Verse 9 says, but if I say, I will not mention his word to speak anymore in his name. We do that. I'm just going to step outside of purpose. I'm just going to step outside the will of God just for a little bit. Just I need a little break. It's just too much opposition. Too much. Like, it's just too much on me right now. I just, I can't serve on this team right now because I'm going through a lot. So, I was trying to obey, but I'm just, I'm, I'm going through a lot. I can't, I can't come to church no more because I'm just, I'm, I'm going through a lot. I can't be with the body that God has called me to be with because I'm just, I'm going through a lot and I'm, I'm tired and I was doing it in his name. So I got a good idea. Dumb. Let me just not do his, do it in his name. Let me just not say his name. And it says his word is in my heart like a fire. A fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. We read that scripture and we've even sung that scripture and sung it's like fire. Shut up in my bones. Fire. Shut up in my bones. It's a song of rebellion. shut up in his bones like a fire if he stepped into obedience and did what the Lord told him to do. So yes, you can take that fire shut up in your bones. It is a representation of you not listening to him. So many of us, we feel like the call on our life is so strong. Right? You're just like, oh, I just, the burden of the Lord is so upon me. Oh, I just feel the Lord speaking to me all the time and he's pulling me and he's talking to me. And oh, the words, my dream life, all of it is so overwhelming. That's because you haven't released it in the place you're supposed to. So, yes. You are going to have a fire shut up in your bones. So yeah, you won't be able to sleep. So yeah, you won't be able to live. Because it is a fire shut up in your bones as a result of you not being in the spaces and places where he's called you to release it. Amen. So keep singing your song. When we go down to verse 14, he says, curse be the day I was born. I mean, he is going through it. It is a real thing to feel like I don't even want to be in this earth anymore. That is real. It is not a game. We see it every single day in people that we know. But they need purpose. And they need purpose partners. He said, may the day my mother bore me not be blessed. What? He said his own birthday. Curse be the man who brought my father the news. Wait a minute. He said even the nurse that came out the room and was like, it's a 
bless him too. <laughs> Man of God, it's going to be okay. A child is born to you, a son. May that man be like the towns the Lord overthrew without pity. May he hear welling in the morning. A battle cry at noon. Y'all think people be having, shoot, y'all think people be having fits on Instagram. No, this is a fit. For he did not kill me in the womb with my mother as my grave. Wait a minute. He just wished he was stillborn. This is not a game. This is what being outside of purpose will do to you. We got to read his letter. We don't get to live in your head. All the times that you curse God. All the times that you actually would be willing to walk away from what it is that he calls you to. If God calls you to something, I make you a 100% guarantee. It will be hard. And don't think you can ignore it. See, when you think that you can ignore purpose, when you think that you can run away from purpose, you are mistaken. And I don't care how good it looks or how it looks like you're getting away with it. You will not get away with running from God. You will never get away from, from his purpose. And when you decide, nope, I ain't going to do it. Be ready for your bones to literally combust. God will not give you peace until you obey him. You want peace? You want sleep? You want rest? You want fulfillment? Obey God. Other than that, that peace that surpasses all understanding that we all in here soaking to, it's not yours. Obey God. I'm sorry. People told you that you could disobey God, go where you want to, say what you want to, and do what you want to, and you would still live in the promises of God. They lied. And that's why the church has been labeled as hypocrites. But I'm going to tell you the 100% truth. You want all those promises? Obey God. And not on the things that you want to obey him on. Obey God on every single thing that he calls you to. I don't care what it makes you look like. I don't care what it feels like. You better understand that on the other side of obeying God, that's where his promise is. That's where his hand is. That's where his glory is. That's where his affirmation is. It's not on the side of disobedience. The best way to use this chair is to stand it up like this. This is the best way to use it. When it's laid down, it doesn't mean it's not a chair. It just means that that's not the best way to use it. So I'm not saying that like this, there's not a call on your life. I'm not saying that like this, God hasn't touched you. I'm not saying that like this, you're not everything that he called you to be in the nations. I'm not saying that like this, you're not going to prosper. I'm not saying that. I'm not even saying that like this, you're not going to heaven. But what I am telling you that there's a best way to use a chair. And the best way to use a chair is like this. 
We read about Jeremiah and all his ebbs and flows. But when we get to Jeremiah chapter 36, one thing is made undeniable. And that is that Jeremiah was called to a people. From chapter 36 all the way to chapter 51, he gets called to individuals. He gets called to pairs of people. He gets called to entire people groups. He gets called to panels of people. He gets called to people in authority. He gets called to give wise counsel to individuals. But one thing that's made very, very clear from chapter 36 on is that Jeremiah is called to a people. And as long as he stays like this and he's not in the proper position, then he cannot best be used. God gives us equipping for the upbuilding of the saints. God has called your purpose to thrive in his house, not to stay in his house but to be established and built up in his house. It doesn't mean that outside of his house, you're not a chair. You just can't best be used. Because see, in his house, he gives you a posture, a people, a language. In a language and in a context, this chair by itself, you don't realize that this chair up here by itself, it actually has links on the side. This chair was made to connect to a chair right next to it. But see, if I don't put a chair right next to this chair, then you would never know the purpose of this link right here. There are some things about you that do not make sense until we put you next to another chair. And if the chair is out of position, then we can't even put another chair next to it because this one isn't in the best posture. But when you put this one in the best posture, then you realize all of the features of the chair that do not take away from this chair. This is still a chair in its own right. Still a chair in its own right. But when you link it up to another chair... And then you link it up to another chair. You get a row of chairs. If one ant crawled through that door right now, we would not be like, oh my gosh, it's an ant. Most of us wouldn't even notice it. But if an army of ants (laughs) marched right through that front door, I'll be able to see from here without my glasses and with these lashes. And I would say, oh, it's, uh, um, um, I think they're coming to take over. <laughs> and so there's a different sense when you're by yourself than when you put yourself in an army. There's power and strength in an army. And so while that ant may come in here with intentions to live and make a home and eat crumbs and be pesky, he's nothing by himself compared to what he would be with an army. Yes, he's still an ant. Yes, he's still made the same way. Yes, he has language. Yes, he has something going on for himself. But he has no context without an army. Jeremiah 36, it talks about taking the scroll and writing and starting on this journey of legacy. God doesn't call anyone to themselves. He just doesn't. There's a danger in isolation. See, because when you isolate 
and then you start weeping and cursing the day you were born and all that kind of stuff, the only person there is the deceiver. The only person there is the cheerleader of hell. The only person there is the mascot of the devil himself, the liar himself. And what he does is he affirms you. But he can only do that in isolation. Imagine coming in here every single week and hearing the preached word as opposed to staying where you are by yourself. The longer you stay in isolation, the easier it is. Because you start to make friends there. You start to make friends in isolation. You start to now speak a language of isolation, which then reproduces onto itself. So then other people who are living in isolation attach to you and your isolation and your dysfunctional ways. And then you feel like there are other people over here with me. So I'm no longer in isolation. But let me tell you, in comparison to the kingdom, you are still in isolation and dysfunction. You need a body that is going to pull you out and tell you who you are. You need a body that is going to pull you out and let you know God still has a plan for your life. God still is calling you and together we are a fortified army. Going to church is not to make you happy. Going to church is not to fill these seats. Going to church is not to raise offerings. Going to church is to put you in a context for purpose. Going to prayer is to put you in a context for purpose. Going to outreach is to put you in a context for purpose. You don't make sense by yourself. Your call will always be to people and not to things. The dangers of isolation is that isolation produces depression. Because you put yourself out of being in the context of the people who can pull you. Grief is produced in the place of isolation. Why? Because you feel like you are all alone. Even natural grief. When you lose a loved one, the first thing that people say in the midst of 40 people is, I feel alone. And so it's not just me in the midst of any people. It's being in the midst of a people that speak your language. In the body of Christ and purpose talk, this body brings you language. And it also gives you a place to operate. Funny thing about Jeremiah is his reputation went before him. He was not just going to random people. He had to be known and given the space and the open door in order to step into that. And I'm not saying that all of your opportunity will happen in these four walls, but this definitely gives you a place to be and to operate. It gives you a place to be equipped. It gives you a place to train. It gives you a place to, within safety, begin to operate as what God called you to operate. This is a space to function. And you all already know we are not a four wall church 
So when people are like, I can't be limited to the church, well, good, because the church can't be limited to the church. That's just stupid. I agree. The very statement is dumb. Which is why we come to this space two times a week. We go to that space five times a week. So we agree on that whole four wall thing. Thank you, the end. Raise your hand if you work from home. Very isolated. Look at how many people work from home. Raise your hand if you work in the context of other people every day. So you tell me how many people he's calling to stay home. Because we only apply that when it comes to like going to church or going to corporate prayer or or our relationship with Christ. Nobody else is at home like, oh, no, God just hasn't called me out of the four walls of my home. I'm just going to teach and influence the education realm from right here on my living room because God still has a call and a plan for my life. I'm still an educator. Oh, okay. Where's the kids you graduated? Where's the kids you taught? Why? Because you have to come out and be in a context that then makes you make sense. Yes, you've got the call. Yes, you've got the gift. But everybody needs a space to function. Yes, you're smart, but you still have to train. Yes, you're called, but you still need some shaping, some refining, some edges ripped off of the side, a little bit of extra cut off here and cut off there. And it does not take away from what you're called to. But your purpose makes more sense in an environment where it can be cultivated. When they bring in the paddles, if you pass out and it's time for the paddles, you know, the bloop, bloop, you don't do it to yourself. You cannot revive yourself. You need at least one other person to revive you. And if you need a lot of work, and then they do it like that to take turns, right? And take turns, then let's see. Okay, I'm tap you in because I ain't back yet. Okay, all right, your turn. Some of us need a double, double team, a little three person team, but we'll never give up working on you. If you stay in the context of which God has called you, and then He sends you out. Jeremiah had a people that he was called to. Let's read Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a hope and a future. He's telling you who you are. He's telling you his promise, his plan for you, what he's called you to. But then he gives you work. Now you have to call upon me and go to pray to me. And I will listen to you. He's already telling you. I know you feel like I'm not listening. I'm telling you right now. I'm listening. 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 But you have to pray. And you will seek me. That means you got to go through something. You don't open up the refrigerator and seek milk. The milk right there. You, you open up the refrigerator and get it. 
You only have to seek the milk when it's hiding behind the creamer and behind the water and behind the leftovers. That's when you have to seek it. When it's right in front of you, that's nothing. He's telling you, you're going to have to work through something. But don't worry, you'll find me. When you do it with all of your heart, God, our prayer this week is this. Show us who we are. Show us why we're here on the earth. And for those of us who think we knew in past seasons, give us new revelation of what you're doing today. Fortify us to go through hard times. Strengthen us, oh God, so that when we question your plan, we remember that you foreshadowed the whole thing. Show us this week, oh God, why are we here in the context of the local church? Give us the faith and the courage to discover purpose. We don't want to do it by ourselves, but we want to do it here in the context of where you've called us to.